Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, what? Yo, Rubber Guard Radio is live on the air. Welcome to the March 11th edition of Rebel Guard Radio. I'm your host, KZ, and we are back from a one-week hiatus uh, due to personal issues and technical issues as well. Uh, the first hour of Rebel Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, you need lucha masks, DVDs, T-shirts, all kinds of different swag. Pick it up. And my co-host on the air is Alex Saint. What's going on, Al? What's going on? Uh, how's Jeff Hardy's run to WrestleMania going? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, we are on the line with uh, Bay Area Independent, uh, well, what the hell, we'll call him a whore, why not? Uh, ring announcer, Marcus Mack. What's going on, Mark? Hey, what's going on, Zombie? How you doing, brother? Chilling, chilling, chilling. I got my, my tag team partner, Alex Saint, on the other line there. Alex, what's good, brother? What's going on? What's going on? Oh, man, not much, not much. Overlooking the lake, man. Pacific Ocean. Oh, I heard that. Uh, well, let's talk about it. Jeff Hardy fucked himself out of WrestleMania, didn't he? <laughs> Did he? I heard something about that. I got a phone call earlier saying that uh, Jeff Hardy went and uh, started uh, worshiping Satan and smoking crack again. Oh, uh, yeah, the word is that uh, he just popped for his second time. uh a drug failure, and apparently he's out 60 days. Meltzer, Meltzer reported that it's steroids. It is it steroids. Yeah. Oh, man. He's looking a little bigger than he used to, I'll tell you that. The, the sad thing is I just heard him on Between the Ropes, and then he sounded like uh, he sounded so much better, and he started sounding like uh, he actually wanted to wrestle. And then it's just real unfortunate now. Well, I guess he did want to wrestle. He could take out steroids. <laughs> True. True. So, hey, tell me about this big uh, Fox City show that I missed this weekend. Both of you guys were in tennis, right? Oh, yeah, man. Fox City Wrestling is putting it down for San Francisco right now. We packed about 350 people in there this last Saturday at Cell Space over in the Mission District of San Francisco. We had Rikishi come in. Baby Slim came down or came up from uh, down south. A bunch of folks were up here, man. Uh, Black Pearl, another hot show, man. 
KZ? Yep, it was good stuff. <laughs> it was good stuff. And you know what, though? i got to give it to Mark. Mark Mark told me that the Brian Cage-Tony Jones match is going to steal the show, and he was right. Oh, man. Brian Cage. Let me tell you about this kid. This kid had a WWE developmental deal. He was in Deep South Wrestling. After that uh, went sour, you know what I'm saying? The little thing folded. And uh, fortunately, he got let go. But this guy, he's going to be the future. I guarantee it, man. Mark my words on it. Brian Cage has a very bright future in store for him. So so the show overall, it sounds like a really good show. Um, so were you re-announcing that show, or were you just there in attendance? Oh, no, I was re-announcing the show. Um, Voice of Fog City, Voice of APW, <laughs> Pro Wrestling Revolution. I'm doing it up here in the Bay Area, man. How did you get started? Uh, first of all, before I get into all that, uh, when did you first start watching wrestling? Oh, man. Before that, i got to drop something real quick. That was fucking brutal. <laughs> fucking brutal, bro. And <laughs> 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 yeah, nah, man, I started watching wrestling fucking as far back as I can remember, man. My dad would bring me out to the Cow Palace when I was just a kid. One of my first memories, actually, is seeing Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff clear out the first four rows while I was sitting on his shoulders, man. Just to go out there and see Andre the Giant and Harley Race and the British Bulldogs and whoever came to town, man, Hulk Hogan and the whole shit. So I'd say around 86 I started. That's when, when I really start remembering, about four or five then. Yeah, those those were the marathon tapings, man, four or five. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> man. And then, um, so WWF came to that area. Were there any... Um, well, you, you might have been too young to realize it, but local wrestling, after uh, other than the WWF, was it really pro- predominant? Uh, I'm, in the 90s? I missed I missed out on the whole Shires thing. That was before my time. My dad, he used to go to the old KTVU studios and to the Cow Palace, and he was all about Roy Shires Day. He was a big wrestling boxing mark, rest in peace. But uh, you know what I'm saying? He put me up on Haystacks Calhoun and Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson and Peter Maivia and... Antonino Roca and Paul DeMarco and all these guys, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I missed out on that era. I caught uh, caught the tail end of the AWA and the WWF. Okay, and then um, you said you did some ring announcement for APW. Now, uh, how, oh yeah, man. And now, for what I understand, you used to go to APW shows. So how'd you first <laughs> find out about APW? Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. That was my partner in crime right there. The zombie, man. You know what I'm saying? We used to hit the ACW shows, die hard religiously, man. But I originally found out about uh, APW. I was going to a little uh, high school in Pacifica, California, and one day I just happened to wear an ECW shirt to school, and uh, my good boy, rest in peace, left. Mike Lockwood, Crash Holly, came running up the street. He used to run up and down Terranova Boulevard every day. And uh, he saw me wearing the ECW shirt, and he approached me, and he said, hey, man, you want to see some good independent wrestling? Come check out APW. This was around, uh, say, around December of 96, maybe January 97, right around there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Jan- uh, so around 96, 97, you start checking out APW. What are your memories of the first show that you went to? I think the first two shows I went to were actually spot shows, so they were a lot different than... Uh, Jim Wars itself. I remember seeing uh, Tony Jones. He worked uh, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez. And I uh, saw 
left Leprechaun Aaron O'Grady, Crash Holly. He worked Donovan Morgan. And I remember thinking, like, wow, these guys, this is better than what I'm seeing on Monday nights. You know what I'm saying? This is this is the future. So I kind of got hooked right then. And then a couple months later, I started going to Gym Wars. And once the Gym Wars happened to me, man, the zombie could tell you it was fucking brutal. Man, yes, it was. What, what are, what are I mean, for both of you, um, what are some of your memories of the Gym Wars show starting out with you, Mr. Matt? Uh, car shot heard around the world, baby. That's right. Uh, can, can you go <laughs> into that? Because um, you, got, you got to understand, a lot of people listening may, may not be, may not been there, may not seen it. I've only read reports on it, so can you can you go into that for me? Go for it, zombie. Why don't you give them a little taste of what that's all about? All right. Well, it was uh, it was Crash and Vic Grimes, False Count Anywhere in the city of Hayward, and uh, they were just all over the place. They were out in the parking lot, out in the, you know, and they had a camera with a little uh, flashlight on it. We were following them. I mean, it was a mob mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was insane. And then uh, Crash decided to get in his car and hit hit Vic, you know, good old-fashioned uh, Eddie Gilbert, Jerry Lawler kind of stuff, you know, that they did. I was open, man. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, the finish was... Uh, Grimes hit the Grimes cutter on, on, uh, on Crash, which is a powerbomb into a, into a cutter, diamond cutter. Mm-hmm. And then the camera, the cameraman closes, close up on Mark, throws up the click sign, and the line of all lines, that's fucking brutal. <laughs> and you can actually catch that match. I think it's still on Click Wrestle, if I remember right. Yeah, it's still up there, I think. Last there I checked, go. it was still on there. There you go. What are some of your other memories of uh, going to live APW shows? Oh, well, man, the Westside players always set it up. Kwame Kamozi and Jay Smooth. Okay. Uh, man, those fucking promos that Kwame used to get in there and cut, man, were fucking one of a kind. I'll never forget that shit, man, when he would uh, he would just go and ran off about all kinds of crazy shit and he, I remember they brought Brenda and Gina in the time in the ring one time. I think it was I think it was actually wrestling's first lesbian angle. I think it was before the ECW even did it. No, it was after. Uh, was it after? Yeah. It was, it was right around the same time though, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the lights went out and then they came back on, and uh, I remember that one. Yeah. It was a lot of good shit. The West Side Gigolo, Steve Rizzano. Oh man, that guy. Yeah. Lots yeah. of good stuff, man, from those days. That that was an unbelievable time to be an APW fan. It was like uh, a lot like ECW, man. Mm-hmm. Well, the the one thing I do remember is is Mike Modest. Um, I've oh, never uh, seen anybody cut a heel promo like that guy, and he was just fucking awesome. It was just awesome. Um, were you were you there for the Grimes Modest match? Where was it that? Uh, that's the one where the the lost tape, right? Where Modest yeah, went hardcore. Yeah, where Modest gave uh, Vic a T-bone through a door. Through a door, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that, that tape, actually, nobody knows where that tape is. That tape does not exist. Now, Pro Wrestling Gorilla's own Taro. Taro made his debut on that show against Ultimo Dragon Cito. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. That was, uh, that was when they had uh, Super Dragon there for the first time. Yeah. And uh, American Wild Child. I want to mm-hmm. what happened to that tape, man. Oh man, I don't know. I remember wasn't that wasn't that the show where uh, Wild Child went and busted his noggin open and right in the middle of the fucking war zone? Yep. And, uh, blood all over the place, man. That was a 
Oh, the brutal one right there. But what what happened to a lot of those tapes? Because I remember they released the two volumes of Gym Wars, but uh, what happened to all these other tapes? Oh, man, they're all still in the library, man. From time to time, I'm going to go in the back and pop one in and uh, enjoy a show. They all, they got all of them, man. They're still there. I'm telling them they got to do something with those one day. They definitely do. <laughs> but uh, Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, can you tell me about the transition from uh, becoming a fan of APW to becoming a, a ring announcer for the company? Oh, wow, man. You know, it came, uh, it's nothing that just came overnight, I can tell you that. You know, I had to pay my dues just like anybody else did, man. You know what I'm saying? I was, I started off as just being a fan, showing up to every show loyally, did whatever it took to get to a show, man. If I had to steal a car, I did it, man. You know what I'm saying? If I had to sleep on the streets, I did it. Then uh, I started off with uh, just being part of the ring crew, you know what I'm saying, breaking down the ring, setting up the chairs, then moved on to street crew, and then it moved on to video camera, and then taking pictures. and I did everything, man, color commentary, you name it, man. And eventually I just, there was a, there was a call for, uh, for a ring announcer position because our guy, our, our ring announcer at the time, Dylan Drake, who wrestled on the last Fog City Wrestling Show, uh, he was doing the ring announcing and was getting ready for his time to debut, and they needed someone to fill in, and I felt that I could do it. So they gave me the ball and let me run with it. Now, you did some com- color commentary, you just said. Now, yeah. what are some of your memories of doing color commentary, or what are some of your favorite matches that you ever called? Oh, man. Um Favorite matches I ever called, you know, I, not, nothing really sticks out to my mind. You know what I'm saying? I I only did a few shows. Mm-hmm. I wasn't uh, wasn't really too high on it. I didn't I didn't feel it as much as I felt ring announcing or doing other things. But um, let me see. I did a I think it was some kind of a ten man tag with uh, and had a lot of like the older guys who I grew up watching as a fan, like Nate Rules and uh, Chicano Flame, Tony Jones. And I remember having a lot of fun with that when I was working with Germs, and uh, that one was a lot of fun. Also, calling any of Melissa, Ma- Melissa Anderson, or cheerleader Melissa matches are always fun also. Okay, so um, you started becoming a, a ring announcer, and you started out with APW. And yeah. then, now, how, uh, let me try to word this. Now, there's a couple other promotions that you work for, too. How How is mm-hmm. it seen up there in Northern California? In the Northern California scene, man, contrary to belief, man, is on fire. You know what I'm saying? Northern California is full of unbelievable talent right now. I had actually gotten away from the wrestling scene for a while there, like in the early 2000s. I didn't want nothing to do with wrestling no more. It had gotten so big, and I couldn't even watch wrestling anymore. It was a bad time to stop watching for independent scene, but, uh, hey, it is what it is. But uh, right now, the scene is really good. I remember in about 2004, I'd gone back to APW, 2003 maybe, and I saw some lot of shit I didn't like, so I wasn't really feeling it. You know what I'm saying? I went back about a year later, two years later, year and a half later, something like that, and the talent was unbelievable. Old school Oliver John, Mr. Primetime, Adam Thornstowe, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. We got so much talent right here, I don't even know. I don't even know why people aren't getting more deals. It's unbelievable, man. We just signed Kafu to WWE, and that's a dude who deserved it. 
but yeah, we got a lot of talent up here, man. APW, Fog City Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Revolution, doing their thing. Okay, so um, I don't I don't want to put you in the spot and say, um, you know, you did name a lot of names, but um, who are some other guys up there that um, maybe no one's ever heard of that you know that is definitely worth checking out? Wrestling personified Rick Luxury. This guy is the fucking truth. Brian Cage, the truth. Old school Oliver John. If y'all haven't seen him, go buy a fucking tape, man, because that guy is fucking awesome. There's a, there, we got so much talent here, it's ridiculous, man. Adam Thornso from Reno Scum. You know, the list goes on and on. On the, now, on the Lucha side, on the Lucha side, that Ulysses kid. Oh, yeah, Ulysses, man. He's stepping his game up. Um, Alex, I'm going to be getting a DVD from that guy. Uh, we got to get him down there. Um, he's got to go down to San Diego, and he's got to get uh, close to Mexico, or at least uh, get get in some work with Oscar down there. This kid is really, really tight and really good. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm really tough to impress, but I mean, he's really, really good. Can you describe the atmosphere to me of a of a, a APW show as compared to like a Fox City show? It's a totally different crowd, man. You know what I'm saying? For Fog City, you are you are not only grabbing the the, the regular diehard independent wrestling fan, but you're grabbing casual fans, and you're grabbing people that are just walking out of a bar and walking into cell space. You know what I'm saying? That show right there has a very unique bunch of fans that attend, and uh, I think those guys are onto something with that, man. You know what I'm saying? It's always hot. That's a, I love working in front of a hot crowd because sometimes the crowd can get if it, if a crowd is dead. It can get real boring real fast. I'm sure you know that, Alex. Well, we we <laughs> were at that big time show a couple weeks ago. Uh, I didn't stick around for that show. I didn't wow. I didn't see the actual show. The crowd was so hot. Was it? The crowd was insanely hot. I mean, there was about 600 people there. I I, I assumed I, I estimated, and then okay. um, the crowd was insanely hot, and they were very. I've been to a lot of the the best match of the night was Frank Kazarian and Chris Masters, in my opinion. And they were getting, this is an awesome chance. And then, honestly, they weren't doing anything but working a really good, solid match. And I feel that if it would have been your standard independent crowd, they would have shit on the match. But for a wrestling match, it was a really good match, and they told a really good story in the match. And then the nice. second best match was a women's match, who, I mean, if you've been to any shows, you know women's matches. It doesn't matter what they do unless their boobs are showing. No one's doing anything, <laughs> but... It was Candice LeRae against Gail Kim, and they put on a really, really good match. And and the fans were completely hot for it. It was a really, really good crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw the crowd there. There was a lot of people there earlier in the day. I was out there for the Fan Fest part of it at the APW booth, and I saw that there was going to be a lot of people there. But unfortunately, you know what I'm saying, I wasn't able to make the show. I had to get back home. Mm-hmm. What did you well, think about that fan fest that Big Time put on? Did you get the chance to meet anybody? Over at Big Time? Yeah, uh, that, during that fan fest. Was there anybody that you got to meet uh, during the day? And then uh, what were your overall thoughts on it? Uh, I talked to Brett a little bit. Brett had come up and uh, he was he's really interested in uh, Dylan Drake, from what I understand, you know what I'm saying? And... Uh, I was with Dylan, and he came over, and we had some words, but I didn't really go and mark out and talk to nobody, no. I went and shook Tito Santana's hand, and that's pretty much it. Oh, okay. 
And then what were your overall thoughts of the convention? Like, if you were a fan, how would you feel that the convention, do you think it was worth the money? For, for excuse me, what was that, the big-time show? Yeah, no, for the, the big-time convention, how do you feel? I mean, do you oh, yeah, man, definitely. I think if you're a fan, hell yeah, it's worth the money, man. You know what I'm saying? It's not every day you get to go and see uh, Tito Santana and uh, Chris Masters and uh, Eugene and Bret Hart and Honky Tonk Man and all those dudes were there, man. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, it was worth the money. I th- I'm, I'm not going to knock Kirk White or his hustle, man. That guy is a real-life promoter, and he's a real good dude. You know what I'm saying? When you fuck with Kirk, you get paid. And uh, I respect that. I respect Jason Styles too. Jason Styles is just another standout over there. Um, I drove about six hours from San Diego with my friend Jeff, and um, I have to—I didn't buy the uh, the tickets or whatever to get into the event. But uh, as a vendor, I had very—I was very lucky because uh, Doctor Death was actually sitting next to us, and then he oh, had yeah. the opportunity to talk to him, and he was a very, very awesome uh, individual. Then, oh, um, yeah, that, I, I take it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you, you can continue. Oh, no, I take that back. That was actually the one person who I did sit down and talk with for a while was Dr. Death. Steve Williams completely blew my mind. Um, Dr. Death, I, actually, he pointed me out as soon as I walked through the door, and I was shocked. I was like, wow, me? Dr. Death? Pointed I had worked with him at the uh, at the Wrestle Fan Fest bullshit debacle that came uh, up here to the Cow Palace. By the way, Chris, you owe me 400 bucks, motherfucker. And uh, <laughs> that, that talk's gonna come a little later. Kurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Doctor um, uh, Death pointed at me. He said, "Hey, plug this hole." He said, "Hey, ring announcer." I said, "Oh, wow. Hey, what's going on, Steve? How you doing?" We got to talk with him for a little while, so that was that was definitely cool. I've always been a fan of Doctor Death. You know, I was actually a fan. This is this is kind of a, a weird story, but I was actually a fan of Doctor Death as a child because as a child, now this is why as a as a young. Um, I don't I don't know what I consider myself anymore after meeting Bret Hart, but I've had three matches and I'm a halfway independent wrestler. But um, gear is something that I place a lot of emphasis on, and for one reason that when I was a child, my favorite wrestler, some of my favorite wrestlers were the guys who had the best gear, and I love Doctor Dexter <laughs> Williams because he had these awesome ring jackets, and then his boots had the flames on them, and I yeah. love Doctor Death for that. And then to have the opportunity to actually meet him. And then now, obviously, as I've, I've grown and understand what wrestling is, I've seen a lot of his matches, and I've seen a lot of the stuff where he's teaming with Terry Gordy. That's just amazing. And oh, I actually, wow. I actually, I actually marked out for him. And we had a conversation about a lot of the old angles he was in and stuff like that. It was really, really awesome. Yeah, definitely, man. Some of those bull ropes matches he used to put on with Terry Gordy, man. Classics. <laughs> yeah, right, and then when they were Gordy, come team, on. Uh, which what, what story? I got I got a couple. <laughs> the well, go ahead. The the all Japan story. Oh, okay, okay. Well, it was just a just a quick story. He was telling me about um, he was he was telling. I asked him who, who his favorite tag team was the worst because I've never seen the Miracle Violence Connection have a bad match, and he was saying his favorite to work with the Japanese guys when they would go and work for uh, all all Japan, and he was saying because uh, Steve Williams he was one of the few guys that. Uh, Worked for New Japan and All Japan, and then finally, I guess Baba threw down the gauntlet and said, "Who's going to work for?" And he, he chose Baba. And then um, him and Gordy were a tag team over there. And then he said that his favorite tag teams to work with were the Japanese guys because he said the Americans he couldn't go more than 15 minutes with them. So he said with the Japanese they would go a minimum 30, if not to 60. And then he was he told me the story about uh, Kawada 
which I, I don't know if you're familiar with Kawada at all, but he was saying that uh, one night he was working Kawada and he kicked him stiff in the mouth and busted out four of the teeth. So he so he said he gave a receipt to Kawada by dropping him on his head three times. <laughs> I believe it, man. I believe it. <laughs> That's insane. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, now we're on the subject. The Cow Palace Crap Fest. Oh, how wow. How did, how, did, uh, how did the crook contact you to get booked? The bar was awesome, wasn't it? The what? The bar was awesome, wasn't it? The bill? The bar oh, yeah. Was the, awesome. fucking, the fucking screwdriver off the stairs in the back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, they, um, I'd actually dropped them an email. Oh, like when it first happened, you know what I'm saying? I told them who I was, and, uh, they called me back, actually, and they said, yeah, we've heard, they, they called me back about two or three weeks before the show. You know, I never contacted them about working the show. I just contacted them about who it was, see if I could get a free ticket in the door, you know what I'm saying? And uh, they contacted me about two or three weeks before the show, and they said, yeah, we we know exactly who you are, man. Yeah, you've been doing this for ten years. So I played it. I said, hell yeah, fuck, I've been working ten years. Yeah, sure, why not? You know what I'm saying? And uh, they said, the guy, he he really sold me. He said that he was, um, he was a Fresno police officer and that everything is legit and it would be great to use great to be uh, it would be great to use you Mark Mac because uh you know I was going to bring in Michael Buffer but you know he he he, uh, he had another date so we need somebody to fill it in and uh be great to use a local guy and uh, I'm sure you'd be a little more affordable I said yeah so we worked something out you know and uh I was I was stoked going into the thing thinking wow you know the Cow Palace place where I went as a child so many goddamn hundreds of times but uh, it was a big fucking pain in the ass in the end. But after everything, I'm still glad I did it. I don't give a shit. I should have went, damn it. <laughs> it's not every day you get to fucking work with uh, Ultimo Dragon and KG Muto, man. Hey, there you go. You know? You go. Well, share some stories. I know there were plenty. Oh, man, you know what I'm saying? I don't think I should go into too many of them, but... Uh, <laughs> Your mom's not listening, Mark. All right? Oh, no, don't worry. I'll just... Uh, you know, it was cool. The one story I can tell, man, is uh, the first night we were out there, the first night when I was supposed to go to the hotel before the actual show and uh, pick up a staff pass, I get there, and the guy, the promoter, Chris, he says, hey, oh, yeah, man, check this out. I got a club rented out in the city, you know, we got a uh, we got a uh, stretch Hummers that are going to drive all the talent down there, and we got a bus that's going to drive all the fans down there. And uh, yeah, you get in the, get in the uh, get in the stretch Hummer with all the boys, and you, all your drinks and everything are going to be paid for tonight. So I'm thinking, cool, yeah, why not? I'll go down there with Ultimo and go down there with uh, Rikishi and all these guys. You know what I'm saying? Sonny was there, and Don Marie, and uh, a whole bus a whole bus full of guys, Luke Cox and Orlando Jordan, a bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking, knobs. And said, hack, they're all down there. So we said, okay, fine. Stretch summer never comes. That was the first sign. So they put us on a bus, and we get down to this club over in the, uh, over in the fucking heart of the scums of the city, man. You know what I'm saying? In the Tenderloin. And if you know Dave Chappelle, there ain't nothing tender in that motherfucker. We get down there, and uh, we get to the club, and the club had never heard of us. <laughs> so we're like, okay, me and, uh, me, hack, and, uh, Who's the MMA guy? Don Fry. We walked in there, and uh, 
we walked up in there, and they said they'd never heard of us. So we saying, well, fuck, okay, let's go back to the hotel. We get back down to the shuttle, and the shuttle, the shuttle driver says that he's only been paid to drive us one way. So uh, we're in the middle of the Tenderloin. There's Sonny, there's Don Marie, there's Sandman, there's uh, all these guys, you know, a whole bus full of motherfuckers. And uh, he says he's only been paid to drive one way, so he's not taking us back. I said, like, hell, you're not, man. You know what I'm saying? I went up to the door, opened his door, and said, check this out, homie. We're going back to the hotel. I don't give a fuck what you say. You're driving or I'm driving. And uh, he ended up driving us back. But the poor fans, man, there were fans from fucking all over the world, Austria and Japan and New York and everywhere, man. And that, that bus driver wasn't as nice, man. He left them in the middle of the fucking tenderloin. Welcome to San Francisco. That's horrible. <laughs> but it was pretty. It was a wild experience just to be uh, walking around the Tenderloin with uh, with the Sandman and Brian Knobs. <laughs> so how, <laughs> how was the actual show? The actual show, you know, it, it it dragged ass a little bit. It went on a little too long, but I still I still firmly believe that it was a good show. You know, I mean, I like the main event. Steve Carino worked Sandman and. Uh, and KZ in a three-way. Uh, Ultimo Dragon had a real good match with Billy Kidman. And um, a few other matches on there that were that were real cool. You know, getting to call out the Dr. Style Slick, man, you know what I'm saying? The guy who I used to fucking mark out for so bad as a kid. That was cool. He worked, uh, I think he managed one man gang and uh, one-man gang and Kamala against somebody that powers a pain or something. So, you know, it had a little nostalgia feel, you know. We had a lot of the older dudes there. It was a cool show. I don't regret it. I regret not getting paid, but uh, I don't regret working the show. You you get, you have all the stories to tell. and Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, now they're talking about ripping down the Cow Palace, man. You know, at least I can say I was the last person to leave that ring. That's a shame. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fucked up. I mean, why? It it It's a landmark. Yeah, you know, just... Everybody has performed in that building, man. And it, you know, so many. Fuck, dude, you and I got some history in that place. See, I mean. Oh, yeah. How many pay per views have we seen there? A lot. A lot of them, man. I don't know. I remember uh, Eddie. The last one they had there was when Eddie won the belt. Yep. And uh, then they had a bunch of those WCW ones, some uh, Super Brawls. Yep. Super few, Brawls. And they were running there the for about one. three or four years straight. The first one was Super Glass 2. Yeah, Super Clash yeah. 2, when uh, Hennig beat uh, Bachwinkle. I remember that fucker, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was fun stuff, man. That was yeah. great. But, uh, okay. Well, let's, uh, all right. Let's get back into the indies. Okay. Okay, other than Vic and Lep, what what's your, the, your most favorite APW matches that you've seen live? Ooh, shit, man. With the um, Mod- Modest and Morgan definitely comes to mind. Michael Modest and Donovan Morgan, when they worked the, they worked the Eugene, Eugene gimmick way, way, way before there was a Eugene man. When Donovan played retarded and uh, and got the upset win over Modest, that was always, that was one of my favorite matches. That was insane when he landed on his head, dude. That was. Oh crazy. my god! Oh shit! I'll never forget that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hard way, blood man. That was just gross. And then uh, the, the when the when uh, little Dick made his debut, that was that was pretty memorable. Also, that was good stuff. 
How about uh, J.R. Benson dying? Oh, was that was that the one when he got wrapped in the barbed wire and covered with grasshoppers? That one. That was the second time. The first one was. Uh, oh, the first one was off the garage door by Vic, right? Door, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was another good one. Oof, man, there was man. a ton of them, man. They need to really, uh, they need to really go and de- dig into the archives and put out a, a like a, like a four disc. You know what I'm saying? Four disc deal, five disc deal. Just the best of Jim Wars. Sell it for thirty nine ninety five and make some money. Just in the 90s. Oh, yeah, just in the 90s, man. Then let alone nowadays, we have Dana Lee, man. I don't know if you're familiar with the Asian cessation. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. This kid is unbelievable, man. Mr. Primetime, unbelievable. You know, some of the matches that those guys put on, some of the the fucking matches that Dana and Tito put on are amazing, man. There's, There's a lot of history in that little garage in Hayward, man. Tito did stand out. Tito Aquino did stand out this last Saturday night. Um, he worked with a colleague of uh, my co-host, um, Impact Adam. Impact, yeah. Yeah. He uh, he runs the t- the New Wave Pro Wrestling Temecula School, if I remember right. Am I right, mm-hmm. Alex? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> He's quiet over there. <laughs> What's going on, Al? Oh, um, I just got off the phone with... Uh... New way for wrestling. Um, apparently, Chaos got hurt. Um, Ooh. Yeah, Chaos, I guess Chaos had an injury, but um, he'll be at the the March 15th show uh, this Saturday at the Downtown YMCA, and um, I, we will have to go to the show to find out what's going to happen. Oh wow! Well, I will that guy's be all right. Show. I will be there. Flying down Thursday night. You're heading down to San Diego, huh? Oh yeah, taking the family down. Nice, nice, nice. On the road with Rubber Guard Radio. <laughs> but it's all good. All mm-hmm. right. So, what do you think of the current uh, WWE product, Mark? Do you watch it all, or some of the new what? WWE product. Do you watch? It oh, all? you know, I've, I have not been watching the WWE for a while now. I'm just uh, like the last two weeks. I've been uh, trying to watch Raw. You know, last night was fucking horrible to sit through three hours. I'm sorry. But uh, I, I try to watch it a little bit now because, I'm, you know, I'm making a trip to WrestleMania. And I kind of want to get caught up on little storylines, you know, mark out a little bit and see what's going on. Cool. But, uh, no, I really can't follow it. There's a lot of guys that I do enjoy watching. Like, uh, I think MVP is definitely heads and shoulders above everybody else. You know, I mean, I really, if MVP's on, I try to always catch him. I'll TiVo to him, and I'll TiVo to, uh, you know, just the guys who I want to see. I enjoy watching Santino Morella's promos. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elijah Burke, I like watching that guy a lot, too, and CM Punk. You know, but other than them, you know, nobody really comes to mind. Nobody sparks it for me up there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I don't watch it, so. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I do not blame you. I mean, I follow the product, you know, online and whatever, but I just I can't stomach it, and it's not what I grew up on, man. You know, it's not. It's far from it, man. Far from it. Do you follow any other indies at all, or? You know, right now I'm not, I haven't been following nothing with Northern California. I'm got a lot of shit going on in my life right now. You know, I'm getting ready, planning a wedding here. You know what I'm saying? July the twelfth, the Mac is uh, tying the chain to his uh, tying the ball and chain to his leg, so and uh, the Mac in the name, huh? <laughs> oh man, that'll never happen. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I got a lot of shit going on in my life, and I really don't have time to follow a lot of the other sh- a lot of the other promotions out there. Like I wish I could. I'll if you know what I'm saying. I'll order ROH's pro uh, pay per views if I see them on. But uh, TNA, I can't follow them at all, man. Or any of these. Uh, I'd like to check out a lot more independent shit from out, you know, from the East Coast or down south. I've seen a lot of the guys from down south, like uh, Rocky Romero and Machine Gun Carl Anderson. Those guys, wow, man, they're fucking. Those guys are hot right there. Right, Human Alex Tornado. Alex, he mentioned uh, your boy Carl Anderson. Yeah, Carl Anderson, he's, he's real good. He's in Japan right now doing big Yeah, he's working for New Japan. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. he's on the tour. Working for New Japan right now. Well, uh, NWA and New Japan just signed that new agreement, so uh, I don't think Carl will be the first person that you'll see go to New Japan, but um, hopefully that a lot more uh, of the NWA talent starts going back to New Japan because um, I definitely think it makes them better uh, to be able to go out there and wrestle in Japan. And then uh, hopefully we see some uh, Japanese people do some of the NWA shows. Oh, yeah, definitely, man, definitely. You know, the NWA is back up here in Northern California, too. NWA Pro Wrestling Revolution, man. Gabe Ramirez putting in some work up here. Gabe, Shannon, the whole family. What's going on with that? Dude, let's let's talk about his show. Um, I see that he has El Hio de Rey Mysterio. Here Rey Mysterio, yeah, 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 he's coming to town, man. He'll be out here in, uh, what is it, San Leandro, March the 22nd, I think it is. Yep. And uh, it should be a fun show, be at the San Leandro High School. A lot of lucha going on that night. What uh, what they're doing over there at Pro Wrestling Rev is uh, NWA PWR. They're mixing a lot of Japanese-style lucha, a lot of the chick fight, and a lot of the you know American pro wrestling, man, and just putting it all into one deal. And serving it to everybody red hot out the kitchen, man. Hey, it's working for Dave, Dave Marquez with the NWA, so... Why yeah, definitely. Formula? Yeah, yeah that formula's hot, man. If you remember, in 97, 98, that's the same formula that got WCW on fire. Didn't yeah, it did. It, it absolutely did, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm really looking forward to doing a lot of work with, uh, with the NWA PWR here in the future, man. They got a lot of dates coming up. I know that uh, San Francisco is another big date that's coming up June the 7th, I believe it is, or June June 7th, June 6th or June 7th. You might want to check that up in, on uh, prowrestling-revolution.com. Uh, and I know Lacey Von Erich is supposed to be on that one, so that'll be cool to... Oh, wow. That'll be cool to see her come out here to the West, you know. Happy birthday, KZ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. You coming up, Alex? I almost want to. She's incredible. She is. Yeah, definitely, man. Damn. Wow. She ain't bad to look at either. (laughs) (laughs) No, but but you know what I'm saying? I remember going to see her dad wrestle at the Cow Palace, man. I'm really looking forward to seeing her come up to San Francisco and do her thing, too. Well, Fog City's coming back April 12th. April the 12th, man. Fog City 3, man. You know what I'm saying? These guys are not playing. I didn't think they'd be able to fit any more people in, in that cell space than they could on the first show, man. But we had about 350 show up at the last one. And uh hope more do uh, on the next one. I don't know how they can, and I just hope none of them are the fire marshal. You know, I was... During, <laughs> during the uh, Sumi Sakai match... Well, I don't 
I I don't happen to like uh, New York knockout Nikki. I I just can't stand her work. So I decided I'm going to leave the balcony. I'm going to go out front and have a smoke break. And they turn away ten people from the door. Oh, yeah. No, definitely, man. They have it's the second time in a row. I mean, I saw this group of ten people trying to come in, and they just and the door guys just like that's it. We we can't take anymore. And I was like, okay, uh, Dominic. Well, excuse me, can't break kayfabe here. Caesar, <laughs> he's he's definitely happy with the uh, with the turnout the last two the last two shows, and I'm pretty sure, you know, their cell space is a hell of a venue. It's a beautiful one of a kind. Eh? It is beautiful. It it reminds yeah. me of the ECW arena. Yeah. It kind of it it had that same feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was humid and it, you know, the black all around is just, oh, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. They had, they had a lot of good lighting and a lot of, you know, they stepped it up a hundred percent from the last show. What I really respect about Steve and Dom, man, or C's and Steve, whatever you want to call them, is they treated this show like it was their first show all over again. And man, they stepped the production up one hundred percent. Wasn't bad the first time around, but the second time around, it looked like MTV in that motherfucker, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you had a chance to see the night before the actual show. They had the Fog City emblem up in the sky like the fucking Batman signal, man. You know what I'm saying? Well, Out on the clouds, man. It was it was fucking pretty sick. Well, okay. <clears throat> For that show, um, I chose not to take a seat. Um, I wanted. I was up in the balcony, and well, because the seat should be for paying customers. But I was mm-hmm. in the balcony. And I was watching the show, and every, you know, 15 minutes or so, I'd, I'd move to the right and look over at the locker room and, and then look back. I didn't hear any complaining. I didn't hear any screaming. There was nothing going on in the locker room, just guys stretching or doing whatever. And then out, out front, there was no problems. It was a no, 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 no. machine. Exactly. Well, I got I to gotta give it to Dominic. He knows how to handle his business. Oh, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? Nobody nobody went in there with a poor attitude, and none of the boys left with a bad attitude. All the fans left with smiles on their faces. Everybody was satisfied. Everybody got paid. Everybody got what they needed when they got out of there. So, you know what I'm saying? All the fans were happy. I know that talked to Dom today, and I think already 16 or 17 tickets have already been sold to the next show, and it's been, what, two days? Yeah. The show isn't until April 12th, man. You know, that's that's saying something from the independent standpoint. There you go. There you go. Uh, do you have any word on anybody who's going to be on the shows? I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, nothing yet, man. Stay tuned to FogCityWrestling.com, and uh, well, they update that site every couple of days, man. You know what I'm saying? So definitely check that out. The way it's looking is there's going to I'm, I'm pretty sure, judging by the way things went down, there's going to be a tag match with uh, Mr. Primetime and Rick Luxury against Black Pearl and Gangrel. But that... That looks like it's going to be a solid I would, That would be a great match. I would look, really look forward to seeing that one, man. Black Pearl and uh, Gangrel, or should I say the Vampire Warrior, yep. uh, <laughs> against uh, Rick Luxury and Mr. Primetime. That's definitely one I would, I would want to see, man. No doubt about it. I would guess they're going to do something with, uh, with uh, what's his name, the TK, Tonga Kid. He'll be there next time, I'm pretty sure. You know, Rikishi looks like he's going to be there next time. I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. What about that sick chair shot that Olafa got from TK? Oh, King Dabuda, man. I love Samoan Tank, man. He took a wicked, wicked, wicked chair shot from uh, TK, man. 
I don't know if you got a chance to uh, see any of the pictures, Alex, but uh, this guy was leaking. Oh, I saw the hole in the chair. Oh, yeah, man. Damn. You know they got a bill for that one. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> you, know, you know they have to, have to test that theory about the heads of Samoans. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Oh, brutal. Brutal. I'm not talking that. I'm not saying nothing about Samoans, Alofa. Don't worry. <laughs> That was all this guy. <laughs> I got love for you guys. <laughs> and your son. <laughs> Actually, oh, I, man. I saw Rikishi's son this afternoon. He uh, he looks just like him, just like his dad, and he's he's training and getting ready to break in. So he should uh, should be coming into Fog City very soon, hopefully. Right on, right on. Looking forward to that, too. Definitely. Okay, let's see. What do we got here? All right. So, anything uh, coming up for All Pro? Any house shows or anything? All Pro, man. APW is on fire, man. You know what I'm saying? We got uh, we got an outstanding fucking boot camp going on right now, man. I mean, these kids that have gone through this camp, I think this is going to be the largest class to actually go through with the whole thing and graduate this year, man. We got some real studs that are coming through the camp. Um They've been uh, taught real well. They're trained by uh, guys like Dana Lee. I know you're familiar with the Brown Bomber, Robert Thompson, and uh, J.J. Perez. You know what I'm saying? Old school Oliver John, MPT. I don't think you could I – I honestly don't think you can get better training anywhere in the fucking country, man, when you have five guys like that teaching you. You know, that that's fucking one of a kind right there, dude. Those guys got it going on. All right. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a caller. We have a caller on the air. Caller from the 416. Who am I speaking with? Okay, let's try it again. Okay. All right, caller from the 416. Hello? Yes. Hi. Who am I speaking with? It's Stephanie. How are you? Hello, Steph. What's going on? Oh, I was just wondering. I'm 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 interested in getting my kids... Um, uh, some tickets for the wrestling. Is this the re- type of wrestling we're talking about, or is this the other type of wrestling? Uh, this is pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is that crappy wrestling, the acting stuff. <laughs> is that the one? Oh boy! All right, got to cut her off. That was funny. That was our first ever non-rib crank call. That's wow. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. You sure that ain't a rib? Well, I know it could be. (laughs) The rib may be on me, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with, you know, ribbing the boss here. Huh. But, yeah, man, uh, APW, they got some good shit coming up, man. They got, uh, I believe it's May the 16th. APW has a show. They're doing their big show in King City. Mm-hmm. Their big spot show of the year will be King City, April the 16th, or uh, May the 16th. Check out allprowrestling.com, double check on that. May 17th, I know it's going to be a double header with APW and Pro Wrestling Rev. One night is uh, is Santa Maria with Pro Wrestling Revolution, and the other one will be uh, the King City show with APW. And I can I can tell you right now that I cannot wait to go back down to Santa Maria. Talk about a hot crowd, talk about a great wrestling crowd. Man, those people show up in numbers, and God bless Santa Maria. Hmm. Okay. Anything going on this side of the bay? Terra Nova at all? Or? 
I don't know. We're working on some things out here, man. You know what I'm saying? You got to stay tuned to allprowrestling.com, prowrestling-revolution.com. Hopefully we can see something come back out this way, too. I would definitely love to go step in Terra Nova or Oceana or one of these high schools out here, man, Westmore or something. Jefferson, let's go and see something happen, man. Make it happen, guys. I say you do it at uh, do it at Westmore. It, it looks like they're trying to bring back the football team, so they need some money. Oh yeah, definitely, man. You know, ain't nothing that's gonna get money together like pro wrestling. So if anybody from Westmore High School is out there listening, man, get it together and contact APW at allprowrestling.com. Contact Pro Wrestling Revolution either on the MySpace or on their website. Get a game Ramirez, Roland Alexander. Make it happen, guys. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, we we saw this past weekend, we saw Mr. Primetime. Oh, yeah, man. I haven't seen him for a while, but uh, he really impressed me. He, he he came off like a kind of like a, a Scorpio Wright type of worker. Mm-hmm. What do you think of him? I think the MPT is one of the the best wrestlers in Northern California right now. I mean, that guy has gone on tours of Japan. That guy's gone on tours of Portugal. You don't get out there by being a fucking yard tart. You know what I'm saying? That guy has it going on, Mr. Primetime. He puts on five-star matches. Love that 420 frog splash, my man. And uh, he definitely knows how to knows how to get the people on their feet. He got some good things going on. Cool, cool. Are you going to hit that uh, the Lucha Libre show at the Rocapoco on the 6th of April? Um, let's see what's going on with that. I might check it out. might not. I don't know. Ain't no telling. I know Ulysses will be there, and if you haven't gotten a chance to see Ulysses, go check that motherfucker out because he got it going on. Him and, him and Chupacabra actually put on a real good match the other night. Yeah, it was good stuff. I mean, it, it helps that, you know, Chuby's a boat machine. But uh uh-huh. still, I mean, I was really impressed, and and I was up in the balcony next to the owner of um, uh, what's the promotion? Pro Caliphas? I forget his name. I'm I'm horrible with names. But oh uh, yeah, he's the boss, and and he was just like in awe, and and he's all, I told you, I told you about this guy. I was like, you got it, man. Now whenever I see that guy on a card, I am there. Hell yeah, man. Ulysses is definitely someone to keep your eyes on, man. I like that guy a lot. I'd like to see him and uh, Brandon Bonham, maybe. Oh, wow. Brandon Bonham's another kid, man. You know, he came he came out uh, out west from Minnesota, dude. You know what I'm saying? He did his, uh, did his training in Minnesota. I don't know exactly who trained him. I know he's from out that way, though. And uh, he relocated down to... Uh, down to Pismo Beach area, you know what I'm saying, Santa Maria area with uh, over by Billy Blade, you know, and that kid, man, I have not seen him have a bad match yet. Have not seen one bad match out of him. Love watching that guy. You know, he's he's definitely entertaining, high flying all over the place, and he ain't just a spot monkey either. He knows how to really go out there and put on a good match. Yeah, um, my sponsor Jeff from WrestleWarehouse.com. He also owns SoCal Pro Wrestling in San Diego, and he brought him down for their last show, and he, yeah. he tore it up. You know, he's he's oh, yeah, man. good. Bono, I, I've seen I've seen his stuff from the Midwest because he used to work with the Tomasellis. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Those dudes got it going on too. If Vito put you over, 
in an interview, you got to be good. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I heard him, uh, wasn't it Vito who put over uh, Adam, too? Hello. Okay, Hello. I guess it's me and you. <laughs> Hello? I guess it's, <laughs> is it just me and you, Alex? It might be. Uh, maybe Casey drops off the air. So, uh, Adam Gornstow, is that who you were saying he might have put over? Oh, yeah, man. I think I heard uh, one of your shows a couple days ago where uh, one of the Thomas Ellis was putting over Adam Thornstow like a million bucks, man. And that guy de- deserves it, man. The whole Reno Scum, Luster, Paul, Isadora, the Wrecking Ball, you know what I'm saying? Uh, with Shane Dynasty behind him, they are the single best act in pro wrestling right now, in my opinion. Bar none. I don't give a shit. Those guys are hot to watch, entertaining as shit. All right, so we got uh, under 10 minutes left. Um, let me go ahead, as I know you got a long list, because uh, KZ referred to you as a, as a whore, so let's go ahead and uh, knock out all your plugs, what all companies you're working for, what all websites we can check out, and uh, how we can get a hold of you, most importantly. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, man, just hit me on the MySpace, myspace.com slash Mack. You know what I'm saying? Get at me about whatever, you know. Um, as for the companies, Pro Wrestling Revolution, check them out, ProWrestling-Revolution.com. they got a lot of good shows coming to town, both in NorCal and SoCal. Got a lot of good shit going on with those guys. They're under the NWA banner now. They have uh, some great people behind them, Gabe and Shannon Ramirez, and uh, I can't say a bad thing about them at all. Fog City Wrestling, they're doing their thing. I know that they're on everybody's radar right now in San Francisco. Fox Sports came out and taped the last show. You can check them out at FogCityWrestling.com. And, uh, of course, my home, APW, All Pro Wrestling, owned by the godfather of pro wrestling, Mr. Roland Alexander. Check them out at AllProWrestling.com. You know what to do. They all got the MySpace. Not hard to find, man. If you go to my MySpace, you can find all of theirs, man. You can also find a lot of the top talent in the Bay Area, in Northern California, like MPT, like uh, Adam Thornstow, like the Reno Scum, Rick Luxury, all these guys, man. Check them out. Cool. Well, Marcus, I, I appreciate you coming on the air, brother. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you. It was definitely my pleasure to walk down memory lane. Um, we'll have to hook up before the next Fox City show, and uh, you know, we'll kick it on the couch, watch a DVD or five, and... You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, brother, it was good talking to y'all. And uh, my phone's fucking running out of battery, so uh, that's my cue, man. I'm out of here. You guys keep right. doing your thing. Rubber Guard Radio, keep it cracking. All right, boss. Thanks, man. All right, one love, y'all. All right, Alex. That was my boy, Marcus Mack. Man, we could just, you know... Marcus and I, we could uh, just sit down, turn the camera on, and do a five-hour shoot interview. He's, uh, he's you know, we've seen everything. Um, he didn't even bring up his, his past love of Shawn Michaels, which is kind of a shame because it was quite funny back in the day. But, man, it's uh, the times, you know. When I was younger, man, I was 10, 11, 12 years ago. And, you know, that was, you know, the, the product was definitely different back then. Um, things have changed, which, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's not fair to kids nowadays because they just, 
they see all that smut that's on Monday nights and you know, it's it's not wrestling anymore. It's damn sports entertainment. But I'm going to get off my soapbox. Um, we're waiting for Alex to come back with Dr. Hey, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. We're back. Dr. Mike? I'm here. Welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I should probably, people don't know who I am. I've been covering wrestling around the world, primarily for the magazines, typically Gong before it. It passed away about a year ago. Tucon Pro, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, basically every mag on the planet, uh, and a shot around the world. And then wrestling radio myself, terrestrial and even satellite on XM and Sirius. Well, terrestrial radio since '74. And I'm Cauliflower Alley's. Uh, been Cauliflower Alley's photographer since the '80s, and I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's what I do. But I think you guys wanted to talk about classic. Uh, uh, San Francisco. I shot. I was lucky enough. It was just pure luck that I got to shoot the territories, all the territories from like '66 on. 1968 was my first trip shooting in Mexico City. '74 in December for the Baba Briscoe title change and back. But San Francisco, <clears throat> L.A. was my home base uh, until I moved up uh, here in '79. But uh, uh, from about '72 on, I would come up to the bigger. Roy Shire, San Francisco shows at the Cal Palace. Typically the Battle Royals, which are really pretty spectacular. Like if you look at the uh, 1981 and 82 Battle Royals, there would typically be five NWA champions, like uh, the current one, which at that time would be Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Gene Kaniski, uh, the Funk Brothers. Uh, they throw in an Ernie Ladd, who was like an international guy. It's just Pretty incredible, and actually, uh, one of the scumbag bootleggers. These guys. That's my latest passion is rallying against uh, people that illegally bootleg for their own profit uh, footage. But some guy was trying to get his hands on. I've got first generation. And I have no rights to sell it because it belongs to, like for example, the San Francisco footage that I have, and I have reel-to-reel audio from 1961 on until the footage started around 75, but uh, a guy whose collection I purchased in full for cash um, has uh, each week's Roy Shire stuff, and then uh, one of the promoter's friends was shooting handheld, and I have all of that. from The handheld is from like 67 on, so it's got a lot of Ray Stevens versus Pat Patterson. But I'm not here to give an infomercial, but... I guess people really want to see this stuff because this guy was trying to weasel this footage away from me. I mean, I can uh, copy and protect that stuff, which I'm doing now, onto DVDs just because the data and the different formats are going to you know, probably deteriorate. But uh, anyway, this, uh, <clears throat> was there some stuff that you guys wanted to talk about? Because there were a lot of guys that really got their starts, like superstar Billy Graham, before he came into L.A. and San Francisco and Tri-WF and all that, he really kind of grew up from his Calgary training days to getting finessed by Roy Shire, who, when I moved up here, I ended up working for him the last three years of his promotion. But you know, so many guys came through, and it was a real hotbed because Roy had a hand in the Honolulu office. There's just an S-load of, of big-name talent that would be like going to Japan, and they'd pop through. Honolulu for Ed Francis and Lord Blears, then they might work the Cow Palace, particularly the Battle Royals. You know, there's like so much awesome, cool stuff. The real first Moon Dog was Lonnie Main, and I shot two of his title matches against Jack Briscoe at the time, who was just nominated last night uh, 
you know, we in Cauliflower Alley, like in 95, honored as a tag team Jack and Jerry Briscoe, but WWE's, you know, sort of, uh, there, there's no physical Hall of Fame for them. It's just sort of an excuse to have, you know, whatever they do on TV, but that's all their Hall of Fame is. There isn't a place that Marks can go visit, but they're finally just getting around to honoring the Briscoes that did so much for the biz, particularly Jack. Yes, sir. Um, before I, I would like to get it, because definitely that is uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on is to talk about San Francisco history. But um, first of all, um, you broke into the business um, many years ago. And then I was wondering... sixty-six. before that I was running fan clubs for like the original Sheik, a little bit later on with John Arizzi, the Blassie fan club, and then uh, with actor Richard Dawson's son, who's still my best friend, you know, the guy from Family Feud and Laughing and Hogan's Heroes, we ran the Tolis Brothers fan club. Yes, sir. I was wondering when did you first when did you first start watching professional wrestling? Um, probably like sixty two, sixty three. Freddie Blassie down in Los Angeles and Bobo Brazil. So, so that's where were... I grew up. Yeah, that's where I grew up. And then I was just a little snot nosed photographer. They needed somebody to back up Theo Erat at the Olympic Auditorium. So, nineteen sixty six was the first early sixty six, the first time I shot through the ropes ringside. And also had my first magazine piece, photos, and a story published. So were you a wrestling fan before you started shooting the photos? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so definitely. What? I'd, I'd watched, you know, and uh, Dick the Bruiser, Bobo Brazil, Freddie Blassie, Ed Carpentier, all the the great guys. So were these live events more so, or was there uh, was oh, this no, a there were tons of live events? Yeah, I mean. In any given territory, in uh, the Los Angeles territory, Cal Eaton, who was the stepfather to Mike LaBelle, who would end up to be my boss in L.A., um, he would run different towns every night. Every night of the week there was towns. And start around 1970, I'd go shoot roller derby, uh, roller games, which was Sunday at the Olympic Auditorium. The TV wrestling was every Saturday at KCOP in Hollywood and uh, at the Olympic Auditorium every Wednesday, and then the big shows that they were, you know, all advertising were every other Friday. So when was, um, you, you mentioned Freddie Blassie. Now, I've always heard stories about how great of a hill he was, but can you give me some first-hand accounts of Freddie Blassie during his heyday? Well, in L.A., he eventually turned babyface. That was the only place he ever worked, babyface. And it's like the greatest, he and John Tolis were the greatest names in L.A. wrestling. But Fred... You know, his gimmick uh, starting in L.A., and he wrestled all throughout the Southeast and the Tri-WF, like against Bruno, San Martino, and Argentina, Raka. But when he was in Japan, and his gimmick, you know, uh, like they would chant, bite, Freddie, bite, and he would do this biting thing, and the guy at Blade and the, whoever's opponent was in shootout blood. When he did it with Ricky Dozan, they broke world records. Uh, that have still never been beat. Like, I don't know what, the, I'm kind of exaggerating, but I, I was told it was like 80% of all households with TVs were watching in 62, and uh, different people had heart attacks, and they saw the blood coming out of uh, Ricky Dozan, the father of Japanese wrestling, when he wrestled Blassie. So he would do this shtick, like uh, chewing on light bulbs, which Lonnie Maine would later try to duplicate in San Francisco. He would file his teeth, his caps, with a metal file saying he was getting them ready to bite into some guy's head. Um, but he was a consummate heel, but when he turned pro against the Rock's uh, dad, Rocky Johnson, 
He swore he was going to stay a babyface. This was after he had a feud with the Sheik, heel versus heel, which ended up in a great cage match I shot. But he said he was going to have a scientific, that's what they'd call babyface matches, against Rocky Soulman Johnson at the Olympic Auditorium, and he did. He didn't cheat, didn't do any you know, of his usual trunk or hair pulling, and from then on, he was like a god in, in L.A., as big as Ray Stevens was in San Francisco or Pat Patterson. And he was just an international guy. Each territory would seemingly have one or two guys that would call the place home, and they'd just be either killer heels who would later turn face and stay put like a dick to bruiser. Even the Sheik in Detroit eventually turned babyface. Now, every now each territory, like you said, has that one guy that kind of stayed around that territory. Well, sometimes but, several. Like if it was Memphis, it would be Jerry Lawler and um, uh, Donnie, or one of the Fargos, Jackie Fargo, Bill Dundee, Dutch Mantel. So there might be several, or it might just be one. Like San Francisco, you always associate Pat Patterson, Ray Stevens, Pepper Gomez, and eventually Kinji Shibuya because they stopped moving around and they just said, "This is where I want to live and retire." And you know, instead of being gypsies and going from territory to territory. The territories, every major city uh, had its own promotion, or in the case of Tri-WF, which is now WWE, they had many states, the Northeast, the AWA was the Midwest, but by and large, it was like every major city had a promotion with a different promoter. Now, I may, I may sound dated with this reference, but um, I'll use a reference like the Freebirds. Now, they went from territory to territory, doing a lot of the same angles in every territory they went to. But how, in your opinion, what would it take for a guy to call one territory home and to remain a top guy for the the span of, you know, 20 years, like a, a Freddie Blassie or John Tolis or even a Ray Stevens before he went to the AWA? How... There were some guys that were main event guys wherever they would go. Ernie Ladd, who I mentioned earlier, no matter where he went, he was usually going to be in the main event. If he was, uh, And I toured around with this Eddie Einhorn IWA, which went against Tri-WF, and had a lot of guys that quit and left uh, Vince McMahon Sr.'s promotion and the NWA in Charlotte to join this thing that had Moskris as champ. It was really exciting. But Ernie Ladd was in there, and he might bop and then work Atlanta. He might work for Vern Gagne and uh, Bob Luce in Chicago. He might work in Hawaii. He might go to Japan for Anoki. Always a main event guy. So there were guys who were bona fide main event guys, and it didn't matter whether they stayed in one place and sometimes ventured out, but you always knew a Moscaris, a Sheik, a Ray Stevens. I mean, there was so many main event guys um, that they just had that main event status, and then there were some, you know, secondary underneath guys. But, you know, if a Sheik was going to be in Atlanta or Texas or Florida or. Uh, uh, Boston, or Honolulu again, or for all Japan, Baba, or of course Los Angeles, where sometimes he'd help book. Yeah, it was going to be in the main event. Now, how were the fans of that local territory aware of a Ernie Ladd or a, a Sheets? Magazines. We didn't have Sheets back then, although one of the newsletters that I had started, my Tolis Brothers fan club, I really didn't even hardly focus on the Tolis Brothers. It was more an excuse to have international results and program clippings and stuff from Japan and ticket stubs. But I think pretty much the fans, well, you know, like Sam Munchnik, when he shut off in the summer, he wouldn't promote for those three months. He would have each week he'd have a different territory promoter's TV brought in. 
like he'd have uh, Sheik's TV and Dick the Bruiser's TV from Indianapolis and the Crockett's from Mid-Atlantic and Florida Eddie Graham and Vince Sr. So their fans there were totally aware of guys from other places that didn't even wrestle there. But I think, by and large, everybody read the magazines, which sadly now is just not that many. There's the main company I've always worked for, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which also puts out the wrestler slash inside wrestling and some special issues, but that's all we have. And at various points, we used to have like 15 different wrestling magazine companies, which now that space is occupied by MMA. MMA has exploded so much, they've got a billion different magazines. Uh, and I work a lot for those, too. Um, some make it and some don't. But, you know, that's... Uh, I saw the Freebirds when they started out in Alabama and places like that. It was just Buddy Rob, or excuse me, Buddy Roberts didn't even join until later. It was just Terry and Michael, correct? You know, flopping around, similar to the way Hogan and Beefcake, under all kinds of different names, were sort of trying to get established somewhere. So, um, what are so what are some of the big? So you were you were ringside at a lot of big matches in the Los Angeles Coliseum. So what are your uh, memories of the auditorium? I didn't get to shoot at the Coliseum. The outdoor uh, Col- well, the Coliseum. I shot the uh, '71 September Blassie Tolis, which had Sheik and uh, Bo Brazil underneath. So the two biggest, longest-running feuds in wrestling on the same card, and Mascaris and Gordon and Goliath against Shibuya and Saito and El Cicadelico. Tons of, of great stuff. And that's one thing I want to say before I forget. I enjoyed the Fog City show. I couldn't make the first one. I, I shot it. The promoters are great. They keep a nice, relaxed dressing room. The thing I like about it is basically it has the top talent from all of the more established, longer-running indie promotions in the state. You've got the Reno guys who are incredible at Foursome and their manager, Shane Dynasty. You've got APW guys. In fact, you had... A uh, former APW champion who no longer wrestles there, Tony Jones, who beat the current APW champion in uh, Brian Cage, uh, Venice DeMarco. There were some other ones. You had Wildstorm from uh, Big Time Wrestling, Kirk White's promotion, and of course the uh, Samoan guys uh, who I don't think they have their own promotion, but they should, and that's probably why they're going to call uh, Fog City their home. So you had. That would be the only thing I would like to see is if Brian Cage comes out. I'd like to see uh, the announcer, who was APW's announcer, Marcus Mack. Who, uh, he was on the first hour. Was he on? Yeah, I, I knew he was going to be on the, the first hour. I, I, you know, maybe there's some reason for it that I don't understand, but I would like to have seen them say, hey, this guy is uh, from APW or this guy's the APW champ. It may not matter because the audience doesn't know who any of these promotions are. They're sort of like a version audience, my stereotypic take on it. They don't know who any of these wrestlers are, but they know they're all good. They enjoy a great show. You know, they know Rikishi's a big, famous WWE former star, etc. And Sam Fatu used to be Tonga Kid. They may not even know that. But, you know, but that's sort of like the premise. It's like uh, Fog City is... Uh, can is utilizing the best talent from every major group, just short of pro wrestling gorilla in Southern Cal. How have wrestling fans changed since when you first started uh, getting into wrestling until to, to, until now? Um, well, I mean, the kayfabe was broken when Sean Waltman was wearing Mizark shirts and Hall and Nash were kind of exposing Carney. 
in my day, all the, the fans weren't smart at all. Um, you know, most of them believed it was real and all of that stuff. Now it's just like I think the fans pretty much know it's all a work. They can read stuff on the Internet, you know, the sheets. I don't know what's happening with the sheets. Uh, I think the Internet is, for good or bad, sadly replacing the newsletters. But I think the audience, like, suspends their disbelief for however long they're watching it. Uh, but they know deep down it's all a work and the, the outcomes are predetermined and that kind of thing. So they're just oh. smarter. You know, that's kind of hurt the business. There's not that many places for guys to work. We only have WWE and TNA and, uh, of course, Ring of Honor, which I think is the best value for uh, pay-per-view dollars. For, like, nine bucks, you see you know, more action than you would in a whole year of WWE stuff. Okay, so so you, you've you watched wrestling since the 60s, and then it, it's very interesting to me that you can get into the Ring of Honor product because a lot well, of... I'm uh, totally, no, 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 I'm totally in it. I, on my own show, I do two weekly terrestrial radio shows and then two podcasts. I've had Gabe Sapolsky on, Kerry Silken, pretty much every star from Claudio Castagnoli to uh, uh, American Dragon, Brian Dalyanson, and... Uh, pretty much all the guys from TNA, Austin Aries, uh, excuse me, well, a lot of the guys had bopped back and forth between Ring of Honor and TNA, but we've had most everybody from uh, Ring of Honor, let alone TNA. And to, uh, Ring of Honor is actually my favorite promotion pretty easily. So, um... I'm oh, still oh. covered for all the mags. I have to really be in tune with what's happening. And uh, But I'm an old-school guy at heart, so I really enjoyed seeing the Briscoe Brothers' uh, little vignette last night, although I didn't care for the crap they did with uh, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. They're too old and farty to be out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have TV currently, so I wasn't able to watch it last night. But um, So of the guys, other than the guys you just mentioned, who are some other guys that you enjoy seeing in the Ring of Honor? And then how do you feel uh, well, about the, their... Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now because my brains are a little fried. I've had a long day. I'm sure you guys have. Uh, who's the... Nigel McGinnis, who's a, a friend of mine. I met him when he came come out to, to Mike Modest and Donovan Morgan's promotion. Brian Danielson is one of my favorite guys. He's uh, says Morishima, who uh, I saw uh, and shot at Harley Race's group in uh, St. Louis. Um, Claudio really big fan of his. Austin Aries is, is awesome. Um, oh, the the manager guy, Larry Sweeney, who's doing that Boxer versus Wrestler, which they had that all booked way before WWE's thing with Mayweather. Larry Sweeney's like the best guy on the, the mic for mic skills right now. It's just really incredible and, and out there. Um, These days, Brian, that... Uh, I'm sorry, a long-time uh, ROH champ who's in TNA, but I still consider him to be an ROH guy, Samoa Joe, who you can see regularly at Pro Wrestling Guerrilla in L.A. Of the Ring of Honor guys, who do you think would have really fit in when you first started watching wrestling? Uh, well, that's not really applicable because the style has changed so much. You know, the guys are doing the hybrid Japanese-Mexican style now, so I can't really say because the style that I grew up with was more about aura and stuff like that. Um, um, and I'm also, I'm also a fan of, of their version uh, uh, of the Briscoes, which are not related to Jack and Jerry. I don't. I, it's too different. It's too different. The styles. You know, I'm smart enough to to know that that stuff wouldn't mesh. Um, be, 
because they're just doing a lot more physical stuff, and then there's all the flippity doos and all that stuff that just nobody but Carpani and Ricky Starr did in my day in the you know the early '60s on. I can't really pick anybody that would have fit in because it's just the Larry Sweeney, I guess, for Mike's skills and the the stuff he does physically. How do you think Brian Danielson would have done during in a, and not maybe the '60s, but in an earlier era? Well, again. He's doing incredible stuff that I never saw anybody do. Not uh, Alex Wright's dad, Steve Wright, or uh, I just really can't say. I mean, the stuff I mark out for the most is sort of the in-between, bridging the gap, Dynamite Kids, Satoru Sayama, Tiger Mask. That's as good as it gets. And it basically has set the pace and style for the wrestling we've been seeing, you know, starting when WCW brought in the junior heavies, so... Um, I don't know. I, I just really can't answer that question because the style changes. And again, if you want to see where the style—well, it was true for a long time. I don't know now with the Japanese business hurting, but you would look to Japan, and then you figure four, five, six, seven years from now, that's the style you'll see in the U.S. In in your opinion, what happened to the Japanese scene? Uh, a lot of different things, you know, like they're even having a problem with MMA, or they were, you know, the Pride scandal with the Yakuza, which is, uh, could have almost killed the Japanese pro wrestling in 63 when the Yakuza allegedly murdered Ricky Dozan. Uh, you know, they had, there were way too many groups. Uh, you know, a lot of us don't even know why uh, Joshi, women's wrestling over there, is dead. Um, doesn't make any sense because, they're like the most incredible athletes on the planet, any of those women. Any of the ones I've had the pleasure of meeting and shooting from Dom Matsumoto, Bull Nakano, Akira Hokuda, Aja Kong, Bison Kimura, uh, any of them. Uh, ones I've actually tried to hit on when I was over there, like Cutie Suzuki or Takuko anyway. Um, I don't know. I think like uh, when the, the stench and the problems in this country, you know, there was a lot of problems way before the Benoit stuff and the steroid uh, distribution trial of 1994. I don't know. They're just a lot of junk happened, and uh, a lot of their garbage groups aren't making it, like uh, Great Kojika's group, you know, the stuff that sort of came after uh, FMW, Onita's stuff, which I shot over there. And, what are some of your memories of FMW since you said you shot over there? Because that was one of my favorite promotions in the uh, late nineties. Um, well, when I the only shows I saw at FMW were just all a Karakuan. I didn't get to see some of the outdoor things with uh, Cactus and, and Mick and stuff like that. Uh, Matsunaga, I saw him do one of those forty-foot dives off the balcony. It's probably one of the greatest memories I'll take. From that stuff, you know, I was with Mick and Terry immediately after they had that outdoor thing, and they had like scabs all over from head to toe, the scab city, uh, from I guess a variety of stuff, uh, the barbed wire and, and exploding this and that, and, and then seeing the Sheik's burned body, you know, from that thing where uh, Onita couldn't uh, gauge how. Uh, putting all the cloth around the, the ring ropes and setting it on fire, you know, Sabu and Onita, and I forget who, if Onita's partner was Pogo, they jumped out, but she couldn't, he was too old, he couldn't jump out of there quick enough, and it got so hot in there, he got first-degree burns all over his back and arms, and I think that eventually led to septicemia, which killed him. Oh, wow. Um, the how... real Sheik, the real Sheik, uh, yes. Sabu's nephew. 
Yes, I, I remember that match in question. Um, how aware of you of uh, Onita's transformation from uh, the light heavyweight that he was in all Japan to uh, becoming the, the deathmatch garbage-style wrestler he became later? Well, remember, Mr. Pogo was a jobber that we used to drive around. He was called Mr. Seiki in Los Angeles in 74, and he really sucked. He was the worst. Um, we didn't pay much attention to Onita, you know, as a junior heavyweight, because he was kind of clumsy, and he wasn't, he didn't really impress too many people. You know, he was fine for what he was, and then they found his niche, and he was part of that, uh, one of those concession stand brawl things with, I believe, Eddie Gilbert and Dutch Mantell, mm-hmm. and just was wise enough to, to think hey, that Nashville uh, heavy-duty, uh, hardcore Bruiser Brody Brawlin style might work over there, and uh, it was a phenomenal success, and it uh, bred, I don't know how many, wings, and all those different three, four different garbage groups, so he way ahead of his time. And he's a really super nice guy. You know, the stuff traveling around when he came in, and I had to go down and translate. I speak some Japanese. Uh, Jimmy Suzuki and I, for the uh, uh, XPW, he came in, and uh, they never even had that match. You bring him in, we spend all day with Onita and Sabu, and then the match really, for whatever reason, didn't happen. But uh, XPW's having a real exciting return to XPW thing. I've got to go down and shoot for Kevin Kleinrock this June. So if you want to see some great garbage-style wrestling, I, I don't mean that derogatory. Supreme, and I think they're reuniting Mustafa Saeed and New Jack and Sabu and Vampiro is supposed to be on the card. So a lot of great stuff. I was down there and was the uh, in-house photographer for Kevin and Big Vish and MTV for Wrestling Society X. So I really enjoyed it. I thought that was going to be a real... Uh, the way it was originally pitched, we all thought it was going to be an hour show, but then when they cut it down to like 24 minutes for a half-hour slot, it just kind of spelled the end for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was actually at one of those tapings, and it was definitely um, – I, re- I remember one time in particular where they had uh, Jimmy Jacobs and Tyler Black redo their entrance. Uh, it, w- it wasn't very many wrestling fans in the audience. Well, oh, no, I remember they had like paid models. and then they. Yes, I remember fans. that. They could get, well, I mean, you know, that happens in WWE. They have to do retakes if some uh, finish is terrible. They, you know, that's totally exposing the biz, but that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have seen that in the 70s, would you? No, never. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, the wrestlers would die before they'd expose the biz. Um, also, earlier you brought up another name. Um, I want to talk about the evolution of Terry Funk from, um, you know, his early days until... What he's a babyface. So first shot him in '67, '68. He came into LA, teaming with his dad, and then later on he came uh, uh, on a big super card where uh, him and his dad uh, teamed underneath uh, uh, Dory Jr. defending his title against Emil Moskers, which was an incredible match, kind of a clash of styles. But Terry was, you know, sort of a. It's always a good hand, uh, but he was. Uh, the evolution was neat because starting around 1970-71, every year you'd see Terry, he'd look completely different and you wouldn't recognize him. He grew, went from a bleach blonde baby face, and I shot him in Amarillo against Cyclone Negro and Lord Al Hayes, to uh, he started frosting his hair and had a goatee, and he'd wear the chaps and do the whole heel cowboy bit. And, uh, God, I've, I've shot him 
longer than any other photographer in more countries, uh, including Europe. And um, it's just been kind of neat seeing him progress into, uh, you know, then I was there for all those Joel Goodhart shows, which was the predecessor to uh, ECW. And then, of course, the uh, uh, the aftermath that was at that thing, the Flare Steamboat, where uh, Funk came in and uh, did the pile driver on Flare on the table to set himself up. Um, that's kind of when he really went over the uh, the hardcore scene, but then uh, in uh, Joel Goodhart's TWA, he was just doing incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, you know, mimicking uh, Muda doing a moonsault, which he would proceed to do even after ECW. And I shot at a lot of ECW events, tons of them, including their very first uh, pay-per-view where he was in the three-way for the title and won. So it was uh, pretty emotional and. Uh, since I'm friends with Barry uh, Blaustein and Barry Bloom, I was there for almost all of their, everywhere they went, I was there. And, uh, you know, Terry was just a big part of that, and he was kind of the star of that. If uh, the heel of that thing, the docu, was uh, Jake, uh, the baby face certainly had to be, well, other than uh, the stuff with Mick, it was definitely Terry Funk. Um, I've seen him really evolve and change and uh so now it's sad to see Dory Jr. really retiring, and I, I don't even think I've heard of Terry. I don't think he's wrestled in a while. His knees are so bad. Um, what are your memories of the 1997 uh, Terry Funk Russell Fest uh, retirement show? I was there. It was Amarillo, and uh, then once the show was over, I can't remember if it was the next day or that evening. I think it was the next day. We had that great uh, private party at uh, the Double Cross Ranch, and taking pictures of Balls Mahoney fishing and uh, Terry's Little Creek. You know, eventually Terry and Vicky would sell that house, which was a shame, a huge piece of property. But, yeah, that was uh, amazing. Uh, Jake teamed up with the Headhunters against, uh, oh, gosh, it was against Shinzaki and uh, and some other guys. And, of course, Terry against Brett. That was the, the first time they'd ever even met. Um do you remember why he picked uh, Brett as his, uh, one of his retirement matches? Well, that was to have been, you know, Terry was first saying, oh, yeah, this is my last match ever, which he'd done in Japan. Terry's had a million retirement matches. <laughs> um, he was just somebody he wanted to wrestle, somebody he had great respect for, because I was at Stu Hart's 80th birthday party, which was a private thing. I stayed at the their mansion, their famous house. Uh, but the main thing, too, or at least for fans, was they had the the 45th anniversary show with Stampede. And, um, uh, well, the main event was, was actually Brett against Davey, but underneath that was the Funk Brothers against uh, Kelman and uh, Bruce Hart, a bad company. And so the Funks had a lot of history there, uh, very close to the Hart's uh, second-generation guys. And, I don't know, that's uh, who Terry handpicked to, to wrestle. And, you know, Dory underneath that had that, Great match with Van Dam. who uh, the next morning we wake up and Dory was showing off. His face was all black and blue, courtesy of my old pal, RVD, who's got a great... You go to Rob's website, robvandam.com. RVD TV is his own reality show, which is so awesome. I'm going to be doing PR for him, but it basically he uh, interviews guys like Samoa Joe and Chris Masters, and they talk about politics and abortion and, and stuff you never hear wrestlers talk about. So it's very, very cool. RVDTV, available at robvandam.com. So it's a 
reality show. You pay some kind of minimal fee for it, and uh, very great, really super production values and stuff. What were your thoughts on ECW? Because that was one of my favorite promotions coming up. And um, what you said you shot some of the shows. So what? What are some I of your? I shot a lot of their shows. I shot their shot a runner, uh, Joel Goodhart's TWA, where uh, uh, man, uh, he had. He'd bring in literally everybody. Abby, Sheik, Terry Funk, Kevin Sullivan, you name it. Snuka. Lawler, Idol. Yeah, Medusa. Well, the, the last show that I was at had the Sheik, Abby, in the cage. The opening match was the reverse battle royal, which was sort of Sabu's debut for the uh, for everybody. Kevin Sullivan against Terry Funk. Um, the one that was supposed to come after that that he canceled, but I already had the Japanese mags already going to send me to it. Doc and uh, Gordy against Crawford and Furnace. And, uh, oh, wow. That was, Buddy that Rogers was... against Buddy Landell, Battle of the Nature Boys. And there would have been another hair match between Medusa and Luna. Um, it was, that's actually, I enjoyed that in some ways, more different points than ECW. But I, you know, because seeing uh, Paul kind of kick uh, Eddie Gilbert, who was a longtime friend of mine from 73, Seeing him get kicked out, it kind of always left sort of a sour taste. I love the ECW shows and uh, consider them uh, family. I had a, a really super time shooting uh, the first pay-per-view that they did. But my best memories of ECW was uh, 94 and, like, November to remember being backstage with Sherry and Pillman, who took the place of Austin, who was supposed to have been in that main event uh, with Scorpio and Ron Simmons. It was, it was Pillman and Shane Douglas. That was the main event against uh, uh, two Cole Scorpio and Ron Simmons. And then underneath that, you had like uh, Sabu and Taz against the Malenko brothers. I was just top to bottom. That was a, that probably my favorite show that I ever shot there. Just a loaded card. The opening match was like uh, Ian and Axel Rotten against the Pit Bulls and a chain match with juice all over the place. Um, but even the little spot ECW shows, you know, get to shoot Taz against Benoit, like a 15-minute Broadway. The uh, 94, they were just so loaded with talent. And then that was even before uh, Malenko and Eddie and uh, uh, see Malenko, Eddie and uh, Benoit came in. So, or no, Benoit was already there, but Malenko and Eddie and, and Conan and the AAA guys like Ray Mysterio and Psychosis and all of that. So. 94, 95, 96, they're just so loaded with talent. It was incredible. How do you feel that if uh, Art Bar wouldn't have died and then Los Gringos Locos would have came to oh, don't America? Even, don't even start because okay. uh, I had a friend of mine filming at uh, – uh, it was a really long story. Ron Scholar, who I had worked for, had wanted Chris Cruz and I to do the announcing of When Worlds Collide. But when he was stuck to find a pay-per-view distributor and he had to do the deal with WCW, they wanted one of their – Bischoff wanted one of his own guys to do it. This is completely true, if you ask Ron Scholar. Um, Chris Cruz and I were going to have done the announcing, but Bischoff wanted his own guy. He wasn't really crazy about Chris Cruz, who uh, WCW had fired anyway, I think around 92. And so they inserted one of their hotline guys, who was Mike Tanay, and he, of course, went on, had a uh, did fantastic and did a great job uh, everywhere. But... Um, at the end of when Worlds Collide, at least the Art and Eddie, who were, you know, were talking to me uh, when they were in the ring, and they said, Mike Pena's effing us on the money he owed us to shave our heads. That's why he didn't even see them shave their heads in the middle of the ring. They did it backstage. So I asked a buddy of mine to film me interviewing Art and Eddie, 
and saying, you know, I know you guys feel like you were screwed, you know, what about leaving AAA and going to ECW? And I, I have, like, Art Bar for, like, five minutes. He's saying, yeah, that would be awesome. Can you set us up and blah, blah, blah. So that footage ended up being what ECW used when uh, Art died, like, a couple of months later. He never did make it there. But um, uh, I, I didn't, you know, we sent it to Paul and, I don't know. I don't know. He did all the dealings with uh, with Eddie, but it's just a real shame. I know Art would have loved to have gone there, but I filmed it. I stuck the microphone in their face after when Worlds Collide, and uh, was saying we got to get you guys into ECW. What do you think about that? And had both of them talk at length, and there they were, just wearing a towel and you know cutting each other's hair off because they were pissed at Pena for screwing them on the promised payday to lose their hair. Oh wow! So, what are your memories of uh, them as a tag team? Well, I mean, I shot them uh, throughout Mexico and was really close to Arts to when he died, you know, like when I usually do, because a lot of these guys I've, I've known, most all of them when they die. I asked uh, his dad to set up a P.O. box so fans could set up money for a Dexter Bar uh, college fund, you know, like we did with uh, Bruiser Brody's kid. Um, they were just incredible. Um I mean, Art and Eddie would have easily uh, been, you know, not just tag champs in uh, ECW, and I'm sure Bischoff would have brought him in in WWE. But he would have been one of the top heels today, and he would have been huge in WWE. Now, so when... Individually or, or singly, or tag team, they were just great. When was the Lucha influence first seen in, in um, Los Angeles or California? Well, and I'm going to have to wrap this up, guys. Um, Mike LaBelle, maybe by accident or because at times he was a little cost conscious, he would start bringing in the Lucha guys. But 67, um, when Moskers came in, and he really introduced the style no one had ever seen. This was before he ever worked for Paul Bosch in Houston or San Antonio or anything else. He came in with that style, and soon after, separately Gordman and then Goliath and Raul Mata and El Solitario and Ray Mendoza and Moscus' brother uh, Cicadelico and Pero Aguayo uh, and on and on. But really started in 67 in L.A. And then prior to that, the, the Japanese style came in. The first place in the U.S. where Japanese wrestler was depicted not as a salt and rice-throwing heel, you know, a sneaky, stereotypical thing, World War II thing, but... Uh, a normal guy was uh, Ricky Dozan and Ayanna Burrow and, and others, Los Angeles. And um, so whatever the, you know, whatever was going on in Mike LaBelle's head, he uh, and actually, in 63, it was his stepfather, Cal Eaton, with the Japanese thing. But the Lucha Libre style of, of flying and acrobatics and all that, uh, I mean, you could say... In Texas and El Paso, of course, Gory Guerrero promoting across the border. He did it before that. But at least where I'm familiar in L.A. Um, was Moscris. And, of course, uh, Gory came in. Uh, when Chavo first came in uh, in 75, late 75, and uh, Gory and uh, eventually later Chavo helped run the book, you know, along with uh, Louis Tillet, who kind of killed our territory, and Tom Ernesto, who, in my opinion, was a terrible booker, but Gory, very knowledgeable on the Lucha style. But again, that was like a whole decade after Moskris had really 
brought L.A. to the forefront with that uh, that style. And to see guys have to work the opposite style, like Blasi and Tolis, and weren't used to it, or uh, any of the guys that had to face Moscaris, it was very cool. Dory Jr., for example, the first time he wrestled Moscaris was in L.A. Oh, wow. Okay, so Mr. Lano, you said he has to get going, so um you care to plug any of the projects that you're currently involved in? Well, um, I try to be fair to everybody. I've been shooting APW since our first show, and Kirk White's Big Time Wrestling, which is in Newark. It's uh, btwrestling.com. Uh, All Pro Wrestling is APW. Fog City just uh, redid their website. It's very impressive. I enjoyed their shows. They've got a fantastic venue. So I like to plug everybody. PCW up in the Fairfield, Sacramento area. My website, if anybody wants pictures or anything uh, or just wants to talk to an old geezer, it's uh, reallano at AOL.com. That's W-R-E-A-L-A-N-O at AOL.com. Most books, like Meltzer's books, for example, or even uh, uh, Flair's WWE book, that's my shot that was originally published in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, him against Sting. But most any book you pick up, uh, Heenan's two books, Piper's book, uh, pretty much everybody, all the Meltzer Observer books uh, are loaded with my photos. So you know, if anybody, I, I urge people to get out there, support the Indies. If you're in uh, Northern Cal, uh, and uh, Gabe Ramirez is going to be starting uh, the offshoot promotion from APW. He's got all kinds of cool stuff going on. He's bringing Carrie Von Erich's wrestling daughter up from L.A., um, Pro Wrestling Gorilla is a fantastic promotion in Southern Cal, sort of like the Ring of Honor of uh, the West Coast. But get out and support your indies. Whoever you see, I'm pretty sure Fog City's got another big show. Was it April or May? April 12th. April 12th, yeah. It was very uh, very enjoyable. Whole card from top to bottom. I just, I, I hope the audience knows that they're seeing the top guys from all the, the local groups. Uh, so they're, they're really blessed. And it's a great venue, uh, and uh, so support your indies. I guess would be my my big thing. I would like to see you come down to San Diego if you ever got Genesis Milano. Well, I shot down there in the old days. Pete Collins uh, was my boss. Uh, he was in, you know, he promoted L.A. guys for Mike LaBelle, but uh, you know, you just hop down there, visit friends, and then we go across the border to Tijuana and see whoever's promoting at the Coliseo. So it's been an awesome interview with you, Mr. Lano, and then um, I'm going to let you get going. All right, guys. Uh, buena suerte in the Japanese combate kurosai. Well, thank you very much. Good Have a good night. Thank you for your time, sir. All righty. Well, that was the world-famous world traveler, Dr. Mike Lano. Uh, wow. What what can I say? Mike is Mike. He's, he's shot photos all over the world. Jeez. Um, you know... Mike is Mike. Alex, are we back on? Yeah, we're here. All right. Well, that was your history lesson for the evening. <laughs> I think that was everybody's history. I guarantee you didn't know half that crap. Actually, I did, but... <laughs> <laughs> Mike and I go way back. Wow, so yeah, we definitely got some uh, good stories right there. Um What have you been watching lately, Casey? Me? I have actually been watching a lot of Brian Danielson footage. Um, I've been uh, getting together some footage uh, because uh, 
he is one of my favorite workers. I love Brian Danielson, and uh, I've just been watching a bunch of that. Um, see, I've been watching. What are some of your matches, of, favorite matches of Brian Danielson? Excuse me. What are some of your favorite matches of Brian Danielson? Uh, uh, the Epic Encounter with uh, Paul London. That was good stuff. Um, the WWE TV stuff he did. Uh, he had a match with John Cena that was really good on the line. I remember that match. That match was really good. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, see, the I have one with uh, from ROH, the main event spectacles, him and AJ, where, uh, where they had to follow that insane scramble cage. <clears throat> but, yeah, that was good stuff. Uh, the Aries match, you know, the Aries match. Um, the There was one match that he, the first match he had with Chris Hero in IWA Mid-South. Um, the name of the show was... Uh, it wasn't a the hero, fairy tale show? When the, yeah, yeah, fairy tale, When the Hero Met the Dragon. Yeah, that was good. That was exceptional stuff. And uh, I just got in this DVD today. Let me pull up the match listing here. You're going to get a kick out of this one. It's independent guys working in the WWE. Um, you know, either coming in, you know, coming in to do jobs or whatever, but there's some really good stuff on this. Let me pull up the match listing here. The first one is it's from March 3rd, 01 from Metal, S.A. Rios against Samoa Joe. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that match on YouTube. Yeah, that's good stuff. And then I have Low Key against S.A. Rios, which was really good. And the match that got A.J. Styles offered a developmental deal, A.J. Styles and the Hurricane. I remember yep. that match. I remember, I remember all the all the buzz around that because I remember he turned it down because his wife had just gotten a really good job and then he would lose money to have to relocate her to, to Kentucky. How would things have changed if he had taken that deal? Oh, I think he would have floundered in OVW. He wouldn't have came up. When's the first time you saw AJ Styles? King of Indies, 2001. King of Indies, 2001. I actually saw him before that. I saw him work for NWA Wildside. I want to say it was uh, 2000. And then I had never, at that point, seen a guy work like he had worked. He was very, you know, very high-flying and stuff. And then... um, it, it was definitely amazing. And I remember when he used to do the shows on, because uh, Wildside at the time, I don't remember this was before after King of the Indies, but I remember when Wildside was a developmental territory for uh, WCW. And then he used to, I, I've talked about this before, but when he used to come on Nitro and Thunder and team with Air Paris mm-hmm. and Air Raid. And then uh, they used to rough like the Young Dragons and stuff like that. That was some amazing, amazing stuff. The Cruiserweight Tag Tournament was awesome. Is there is there any footage of that left? I yes. imagine if you looked around for it. But I, mean, I would love to see some of that because I, I remember that Cruiserweight Tag Tournament just being awesome. Uh, Elite Skipper and Kid Romeo were a team. And I remember Air Raid was a team in it. And it, who, who Ray and, were some of the, Ray and Kidman. Ray and Kidman. Um, uh, Jason Jett, who is Easy Money, and uh, Kid Cash, I think it was. No, Cash debuted on the last Thunder show against Jason Jett because they were giving that real oh, that's strong right. push to Jason Jett at the end. And it was Jason Jett. It was another guy. It was another wild side guy. Oh, boy. Oh, man, you're testing me here. 
Actually, uh, I was going through some DVDs today, and I, I popped one in that was unlabeled, and it was the NWA TNA pay-per-view number 84 from March 10, 2004. It was the uh, the Super X Cup, Canada oh, Team wow. Canada against Team Mexico. Oh, wow. So that had to have the Hoover Super Rara Teddy Hart match on it. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, actually, no, it didn't. <laughs> no, that match it was, was Hoover, in that tournament, though. No, it wasn't. It was it was Hoovy and uh, Teddy, or no, I mean Hoovy and um, Jack Evans. The uh, what happened was before you're thinking the 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 World Cup that uh, what's his name won Saban won. That was the one that had the uh, that had the Teddy Hoovy match. I have that okay. too. Oh, but this one, this one was just nuts. I mean, you're looking at all this talent. I mean, Hoovy Guerrero, a beast no Negro who's useless. Uh, Hector Garza, juiced up and all. Mr. Aguila, Teddy Hart, Johnny Devine, Jack Evans, Petey Williams. Man, stacked. Stacked stuff. But, um, <clears throat> let's see what else. Oh, I, uh, I watched the... Adrenaline Unleashed Pro Wrestling Surge TV from, uh, it was taped in a parking lot in Las Vegas. Oh, how's that? Oh, man, it's wacky. They're in a six-sided ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, the opening match on this on the episode one is Hop Singley against Ricky Maffey against your boy, Chimera. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm, I'm going to bring this DVD, DVD down for you to watch. Okay. Um, because in the on uh, the second show, uh, the Ballard brothers take on Frankie Kazarian and your boy Randy Rocket. Randy a, Rocket. Randy Rocket. <laughs> Boo, Randy Rocket. No, he, well, Randy no, Rocket, it, it's a good match. He's actually he's retired that gimmick. He's uh, Johnny Goodtime now full time, and um, uh, I joke around. He, he, uh, Johnny Goodtime is a really really great guy. You could see him and. SoCal Pro Wrestling, and uh, he, he's a really good guy, and he's a really good worker. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm looking up results right now from the NWA TV tapings that they had Sunday in San Bernardino. Uh, we had no more Vegas. I guess That's not. good news for you. Saying, well, I went to the EWF show, and then they were promoting it as a one-time-only deal. Come see the stars of NWA outside of Vegas. But um, mm-hmm. from what I'm understanding and reading the observers, they're saying that um, I guess they're not doing any more Vegas tapings for whatever reason. I guess they mo- are moving to California, which kind of surprises me, knowing who's involved. But um, I got I got the results right here. I'll go ahead and read them off. Uh, T.J. Perkins and Liza Rivera beat Ryan Taylor and Herc Bomberry. Have you seen any Ryan Taylor? No, I haven't. Oh. He is T.J. Perkins probably about three years ago. Hmm. He's the 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 positives and the negatives. Uh, but he the positives are he's really really fluid in the ring, really 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 fluid. And every time I see him, he's getting a little bit more and more charisma about him. Mm. Ryan Taylor, he's definitely. I think he's going to be one of the guys that's really going to break out of SoCal though, because he's really really fluid in the ring. Um, the second match is Chris Escobar against Dan the Man Cobra. Have you have you seen any Dan Cobra? No. He's one of the senior guys at EWF. Um, he he wrestles a, a, a big man, uh, hard hitting style. 
he's 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 entertaining. I saw him wrestle Marty Jannetty last weekend. It was it was a good match. Uh, Joey Ryan defeated Matt Jackson. Um, I believe the NWA Tag Team Champions still Phoenix Star and Zorke defeated Scorpio Sky and JT Blackstar. Uh, JT Blackstar, he I believe I don't know, but I guess this is either. EWF calls him a rookie, but I guess he's wrestled a couple of years. JT, but he's he's young in the business. He's 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 good for as many years he's been wrestling the business. He's really good. Uh, Brent Albright defeated Sonny Sampson. Brandon Gatson, who uh, when last not this past time, but the time before that when Raw was in Los Angeles at Staples Center, he actually did a dark match on Heat, and uh, he wrestled. Uh, I don't remember who he wrestled. I know he wrestled on that show, and also that Aaron Aguilera on that show. But um, Brandon Gatson defeated Scott Ross. T.J. Perkins beat Nicho by disqualification, Nicho being psychosis. Yay. Uh, Candace, <laughs> Candace LeRae defeated Jade Chung. Chris yeah. Escobar again defeated Willie Mack. Brent Albright defeated Bino Gambino. And Adam that Beard should be good. That should Albright. be good. It should, it should be an interesting match. And yeah. Bino... I've always heard about Bino, how over he was in EWF, and I, I tell you what, Bino is Bino is over in EWF more so than I've seen a guy in any promotion in a long time. I don't know what and, it is. I don't know what it is, but Bino is over in EWF. And uh, the main event of these tapings were Adam Pierce, the NWA World Champion, and Joey Ryan defeated the Jackson Boys. Of Nick and Matt, the Young Bucks. So it looks like it was a pretty good show on paper. That yeah, sounds sounds pretty good. Um, I I think it it's uh it's a better move for Marquez to have the tapings in California. Um, it'll be easier to to get in the the luchadors to. It's easier to get them into California than Nevada. Um, excuse me. Also. You know the guys don't have to travel too far. Um, the the majority of the names that were on that show are from the area or are within you know driving range, because I didn't hear listening through those results. I didn't hear any fly-ins. I think you're missing the most obvious one, which is the city, which is San Bernardino, which is the home of Jesse Hernandez. Right. So well, yeah, also you true. have a you have a promoter there who knows how to promote professional wrestling who can help no you doubt. out. In promoting these shows because he does have a strong association with the National Wrestling Alliance. I have to agree. That's, uh, you know, they, they couldn't have, Marquez couldn't have gotten bed with a better person, you know, as far as uh, running a wrestling company, you know, and, and getting sponsors and whatnot. Uh, Jesse Hernandez, you know, just knows his shit. And that he's been doing it for years, you know, and he's got a stranglehold on, on San Bernardino, Covina area. And uh, <clears throat> I can't put him over enough. Mm, excuse me. Sorry. Still feeling a little under the weather. Sean Merriman uh, was on ESPN Radio, and he said that uh, he's been doing a lot of MMA training. He said he would do MMA if UFC would pay him enough. <laughs> well, it wouldn't surprise me. But, you know, he said that that, that stuff helps with his hand-eye coordination. That's and I, I, You know what? It, it makes sense. It you know, and also the cardio. I think, um, I think, football players are going to start to change their, you know, their their uh, their physical training, 
to where more like MMA, you know, in, in the off-season type of training so that they keep their bodies in shape year-round because uh, the day of the of the of the 350-pound lineman running down the field is, is pretty much gone. You know, we got guys that are 300 pounds that are solid, that can move. And I, I think that the MMA training is, is a, a hell for anybody. It's good cardio. It's good workout for anybody. You know, well, I this mean, isn't anything new in the sport of football, though, because for years, I mean, uh, guys have uh, trained in ballet and karate to kind of get their hand-eye coordination really on in MMA, I, I think, is the new, you know, the new hot thing. And um, I definitely think that, you know, a lot of guys who may not say it yet in interviews, but I think a lot more guys train in MMA. And then um, I, I definitely I definitely think it shows that uh, MMA is either becoming more accessible or it's becoming, you know, more popular. So um, you went to the LLII show this past Sunday, was it? Yes. Well, uh, I didn't get any result. What what happened on the show? Oh wow! Um, unfortunately, I don't I don't remember seeing any results, and my memory isn't too well. Um, to be honest, that Lucha show is, is a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of people's names I don't understand. So um, mm-hmm. let's see if I can find some results. I don't remember results off the top of my head, but I remember the How about the main. Hat. I don't. I remember the main. I remember Super Astro was in it, and I remember. Um, I remember there was like an angle afterwards where some people were talking about their mask. I remember the opening match, which was Crash against uh, Petty Officer Jones against uh, El Bandito, which was a very interesting and unique three-way match. And um, it was it was very very fun. El Bandito, uh, <laughs> he he, I don't I don't know what quite got into him. He he became started dancing. It was a really really fun. That opening match was really, really fun, and the overall show was really good. He brought out uh, the minis, Octagon Tito and La Chavita, and uh, Pirates and Morgan and Mini Espanto, and uh, they were fun to watch. I mean, as a as American, you know, I generally see guys, you know, uh, the minis do, you know, more midget-style matches, you know, where they bite asses or whatever, but uh, these guys, they went in there and worked, and they worked very well, Lucha-style, so it was definitely uh, very entertaining. Mm. Well, the when you when you sorry. <clears throat> oh, go ahead, brother. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have the results, but they're doing real well at that uh, the new venue they got the show palace. I have to I have to show it to you whenever uh, it won't be open, but I have to I have to take you around there or whatever. It's a it's a it's an interesting venue. It's a, in the middle of like a shopping complex, but uh, inside it's huge. And then um, it, it's a, it's a really good venue. It almost reminds me of like an old school TV studio. And um, they have a lot of lights in there, and it's a, it's a really good venue to have shows. And uh, the promoter Oscar's doing real well in there, so it's it's really good to have a. And then also they drew uh, some American fans this week. It was very interesting to see them. So um, things are picking up. Well, I have no idea the, how they heard about that show, but they did. <laughs> that's good for the San Diego scene. Oh, definitely it is. Definitely it is. And then. Uh, We'll get into this more on Thursday when you're making your track down here, but uh, we got a big show coming up on Saturday. And then, uh, like I said earlier, we had that big shakeup with Chaos getting injured. And then um, definitely, um, I'm not quite sure who we're going to have on Thursday yet. It's not confirmed, but listen, it'll be a good show. And uh, we're we're trying to line up a big guest for Thursday. And then uh, the second hour will be one of the promoters of uh, New Way Pro Wrestling. And um, it'll, it'll definitely be a good show. And then we'll 
we go a little bit into the chaos situation. If we understand we're not, he's injured, and he will be at the at the New Wave show this Saturday. Um, apparently, I don't. I'm not sure if he's going to wrestle or what, what's going to happen. But um, just stay tuned to New Wave Pro. If you really want to find out, just go to the show. You know, that's the best thing I can tell you. So it, it's okay. definitely going to be a good show, though. All right, I'm going. You sold me on it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, like like my uh, tag team partner said, um, Alex will be hosting the show by himself next next Thursday because I will be on the road on my way to San Diego uh, for the New Wave one-year anniversary show. Uh, we got about five minutes left. Uh, Alex, you want to get in your plugs, and then I'm going to cut you off. And <clears throat> Definitely, definitely. Okay, my MySpace is uh, www.myspace.com, backslash Saint, and then um, newwaveprowrestling.com. SoCalProWrestling.com, and uh, just like Mr. Lano said, it's kind of like the moniker of uh, the show, you know, to support your local wrestling promotion. And then uh, I'll talk to you again on Thursday. All righty, brother. Thank you for your time, and uh, I will see you in a couple days. Uh, see you then. All right, brother. You take care now, and they'll be hearing from you on Thursday. Oh. Alrighty, folks, that's it. Uh, we're wrapping down the March 11th edition of Rubber Guard Radio. Um, we have a couple minutes left. Uh, I'm going to do the ending uh, myself. Uh, i just like to let people know that uh, the official Rubber Guard Radio website is up and running. We have columnists from all over the world who talk about indie pro wrestling and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, there should be a, a road report from me when I get back from San Diego, I'll be posting videos and everything because I'm going to bring the video camera and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, maybe some special promos for listeners of the show. And you can access our website at www.rubberguardradio.com. You can also hit us up on MySpace, myspace.com backslash rubberguardradio. Um, you need to check out our sponsors, uh, wrestlewarehouse.com. If you need masks, uh, DVDs, WWE swag, all kinds of stuff. Go there. Uh, Jeff will take care of you. Um, tell them the KZ from Rubberguard Radio sent you. Also, uh, SoCalProWrestling.com. Can't say enough about uh, Jeff's promotion. Uh, NewWaveProWrestling.com. Alex is the promotion Alex works for. And also, um, our one of our main sponsors is uh, Fog City Wrestling. Uh, they had a show this past Saturday. And I'm going to go on the record. Um, Caesar, Stevie, you guys put on a hell of a fucking show this past Saturday. Uh, well-oiled machine. No problems. Great matches. The fans were hot. The building was awesome. Congratulations for the standing room only sellout. Jeez. Uh, I mean, everybody was making money. The gimmick tables. I mean, the, even the concession stand ran, ran out of ran out of food. Okay, you know you've got a good deal going when the concession stand runs out, runs out of food. And uh, I can't wait to come back April 12th. Um, I'm going to bring the wife down this time, and um, I'm trying to work on bringing in other VIP guests. But, <clears throat> yes, definitely. Definitely looking forward to the April 12th Fog City show. FogCityWrestling.com. You can get all the information on the show. Um, they're going to start posting... Uh, mass lineups soon, hopefully. 
we'll be having stars from Fog City on the show in the coming weeks. Um, I'm not going to let the cat out the bag about next week's shows, but uh, this Thursday, like I said, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, check out the Alex Zane show. Um, I'll be on the road, so it's just Alex, and he has free reign of the board. He gets to do whatever he needs to do. Uh, well, I mean, I've been talking, going on and going on and going on and just blabbing, but thanks for listening, guys, and I will talk to you guys next week. Madison, Madison. <laughs> Madison. Fuck you, son of a bitch. You are fuck, you are punk, little gay. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.